0: All right, good evening. Good to see everybody. Uh, welcome to our study in 1 Timothy. Tonight we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and for those of you that are following online uh, or actually on the live stream at this time, this is one of our series that Mark and I have been sharing. We've got 1 Peter out there tonight, so if you are on the YouTube channel, uh, our next uh, lesson in the 1 Peter series uh, is out. And so, uh, actually, I've had 1 Peter on my mind most of the week. We uh, actually we're talking about suffering, and um, I, I enjoyed that study as a reminder uh, for what Christians went through, uh, and it's just hard for us to fathom, and, but at the same time, we all have our challenges today, and uh, we need to persevere with the same kind of attitude. So, all right, we're in First Timothy. So First Timothy chapter 3, and our goal here tonight is to get through the chapter if we can. So we'll see how, probably one of the more controversial studies at times in churches uh, as we look at qualifications of elders, but uh, we'll try to get through it in one lesson. All right, first, Timothy 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, He may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon. I am writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you may know how one another ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. All right, you got 25 minutes. (laughs) This is a text that uh, unfortunately has gained a fair amount of criticism at times, especially when churches are in the process of looking for leaders And we focus our attention clearly on these qualifications. They're also found in the book of Titus, uh, in Titus 1. And I think these are qualifications, however, if I look at this, and I'd love to hear your insight, we're not really just talking about elders here. Which one of these qualifications should not any disciple of the Lord have? I think... Wow. You're good.
1: It sounds loud to me. I was looking at that list, and if you go through the list, every Christian, every Christian should be having, wanting those characteristics, those attitudes that are sober-minded, um, humble, dignified, all those things that, they're through the Spirit. They are what is being told to us in Galatians. And so, those things don't really set the elder apart necessarily. He's had to live that kind of life to, uh, to warrant uh, having that work given to him. But there are some things in there that make him then different than the regular Christian. Then he goes into some of the physical uh, characteristics that need to be had. There's some things that, that he has to fulfill, uh, these qualifications, but this is Christian. This is Christianity. That, you're right. So uh, all of us should aspire to those things.
0: Okay, I share some notes from Gerald. Uh, Gerald knew we were coming up into this text, and so he shared some thoughts. I'll share with them now. So if you don't like these, see Gerald. But here, here, here was Gerald's thoughts on it. You look at this. The idea above reproach. Now, if you go to Titus one verse six, you find that in there, and we see it here in in First Timothy three that he is to be above. Reproach. Well, is there any Christian that shouldn't be living a life that is longing to be above reproach? In other words, there is no need for condemnation in their life. Really, with the exception of age, with the exception of maturity of his faith, with exception to material status, the idea of being married, this is indeed the qualification for all disciples. And Gerald says it like this, quote, This is what you ought to be. If you're not there yet, work on it. (laughs) Spoken like our brother. If you're not there yet, work on it. But certainly if you're looking for somebody to lead a family, and let's just say a Christian family as well as a church family, if you're looking for somebody to lead a family, a man in that regard, He should meet these qualifications. I saw an interesting statistic today. I don't know if it's true. Uh, It would seem to bear out in things that I've seen. But if the father of the home is a Christian and a strong Christian, 93% of the rest of the family will be Christians, if the father is. If the mother is the strong Christian and not the father, then 17% of the rest of the family will probably be a Christian if neither the mother or the father are Christians. The likelihood of the children being a Christian is like 3.6%. Now, that was some statistic that I had just noticed today uh, that somebody had shared, but I can personally attest, I don't know what the numbers are. But if you have a strong leader in your home who loves the Lord and gently leads, generally that is the case, you know. But that doesn't mean that a, uh, a child cannot find the faith, and we certainly can go to Ezekiel uh, 18 and the idea of the father doesn't bear the reproach of the son and the son's approach reproach of the father. But there is something to be said about leadership and its role and in a church or a family. Well, this is what you need to be.
1: If we're getting to fathers here, and we seem to be getting to that pretty quickly, he's, he, he's pretty much saying, Dads, you have a responsibility. And bring your children up. In conduct, it's, it's interesting over in Titus, he says, believing children who are not known for their dissipation and their riotness uh, means just ordinary kids. He's saying you can't have children that way. So if you show leadership in the family, Paul's saying that's going to be a good leader of my family, the spiritual family. And so that's, that's his biggest thing about men in this case. Show me that you can bring up your family. Yeah. Now, then you get into a lot of the arguments of the more family, the merrier. You're, you're proving yourself that much more. So we've gotten into that argument over the years about how many children and that sort of thing. And we're not going to spend a whole bunch of time on that. But there has been... In the church, significant debate over the years about whether it's child or children. And if you only had one child, you could not be an elder. So I want to put that to rest. I think that the Greek there is offspring, and that's how it's translated offspring. And and so, but if you're raising that child, you're raising that those children as you should, you're showing at least leadership capabilities, and that's what that's what God wants.
0: Well, and I, I, I think you see in, in the qualification for the overseer as well as the deacon, Paul brings that out with both of them. Look at how they're rearing their children. Look at how they relate with their wife. Look at how he manages his own household. That should give you some insight into how he's going to relate in, with the brethren. Uh, with others in the faith. Now, here's, here's something I'd like for us to consider before we really jump headfirst into the qualifications. Most of the time, when you're looking, okay, who, who can be an elder or who should be an elder or who should lead us? We immediately just run to these qualifications, all right? Is he this? Is he this? Is he this? Is he this? And definitely, that's part of it. But I think first and foremost, we need to look at the role and the responsibility of the role. If you kind of looked at it as a job application, you would say, all right, whoever's got a degree, whoever has this, you're in. Well, no, let me see your work experience. Does that make sense? Uh, Or what have you done to show me that you can fulfill this role? Well, first and foremost, if you look at the role itself, there's many descriptions of it. Here, it's overseer. Uh, Anybody's Bible has bishop? I didn't even look at that. Is anybody's Bible you have a bishop? All right, is that King James or New King James? All right, Bishop, King James. King James is Bishop, Overseer, Bishop. Uh, the, the root of that word is really fascinating. I, I spent a little time looking at that today. It suggests the idea of one who investigates. It, it is an overseer role, but it's one who investigates. Another way to look at it would be visitation. In other words, it, it's one who has the ability to search out things. If you think about the role of an elder, if you think about the role of an elder, the, the eldership is in the role of trying to make decisions sometimes that may not just be flat out black and white in Scripture. You've got to make decisions that align with Scripture, but at the same time, they may have to examine Scripture to see whether things are so, and how does it fit the group here? Does that make sense? And and so it requires that kind of overseeing bishop. Um Another moniker would be shepherd. That's what we
1: kind of like. Uh, it's a different word, but that's, yeah. that, that's the same connotation. There's three Greek words for the six words that we use for elder in the New Testament. And, and they're all basically talking about elder is the only one that really classifies age. Mm-hmm. It, it, in New Testament times, that was older. That was the elderly. That's really what it was, an older person. But the rest of the words are talking about the work of, Of the elder. And so uh, Pasco talks about shepherding, um, feeding, same way with overseer, shepherd, um, and presbyter. Of course, that's the same thing as the elder. So those are the words, but it tells you something about
0: the role. The role. The role and the responsibility. Uh, Peter uh, in 1 Peter 3, as well as Paul uh, in Acts 20, speaks to the elders as ones who mind their flock. It is a pastoring, you're leading, you're watching out for wolves. Uh, The elder role, if you get in the presbyter there, uh, it's not just somebody who's older, but somebody you would go to for advice. That's why they're there. The older men set in the gates to go to for advice uh, in Bible times. You know, let's go learn from them. Uh, Maybe they can help us make some decisions because they're going to be holding fast to the word of truth they should give you insight that not only comes with knowledge of Scripture, but wisdom of life.
1: That, that term is readily used in the Old Testament, elder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you had Moses with his 70 elders that began to help uh, rule Israel. And then you had elders who were the head of the communities. Uh, later on, it was elders who were head uh, of the synagogues. So that term in the Old Testament was prevalent, very prevalent, and used the same thing. The same way in Ecclesiastes, or excuse me, in Ezekiel, he's talking about overseers there and their shepherds, and he just hammers the shepherds there in Ezekiel 34 about how they have not been doing what they were supposed to be doing—overseeing, monitoring, taking care of the flock—and so that term is truly an Old Testament term that has then been brought forward, and the Lord said, "This is a good term." And so we're going to use that again. The officiators of my spiritual kingdom are going to be elders.
0: Yeah. So it just reminds us of the role. Uh, It reminds us of the responsibility. Uh, And it also shares with us, I think this is very important. Just because somebody may not be an elder in a congregation or is occupying that office doesn't mean that they're not highly, highly qualified and they fit this category. Does that make sense? Uh, th- th- there are some who who maybe for reasons that, uh, personal reasons, don't choose the office or desire the office, but they would still be men that would be wise to go to. You would still respect their leadership. Uh, I, I, I don't think we need to just say it's only those guys that are taking the lead that meet these qualifications. No, no. It, it could be others in the congregation. But this is somebody who's taking on the responsibility Uh, not just meeting those qualifications with the life they live, but they're going to watch out for wolves, and they'll be ready to take the heat. They're willing to look over the congregation and to spend time seeing down the line where things may lead and giving things uh, duly, you might, consideration, which I wish it had this direction. Uh, and, And there are people that you would go to for advice. So all right you ready to get into qualifications Well I I would, I would you to add
1: you to know, that? no I would I would say this that he's giving these instructions to Timothy he's not creating a new office right. elders and deacons have been there we can see that in scripture he's just telling Timothy now this is going to be your responsibility as you go through uh, that you're instructing the congregations these are the kind of men that you need to have I will put it this way you may have people in the congregations that may fit that criteria that are not elders. But I'm telling you, everybody who is an elder better, better be fit the, yes. better yeah. be fitting the criteria. Yeah. And we've been in we've been in situations for I've been an elder for 35 years now, off and on, and I've been in, associated with congregations in my distant past that didn't take this seriously as far as appointing elders. And I would be admonishing congregations, every one of them. this is a serious matter as far as who you put into your leadership. Uh, I was with the congregation years and years and years ago that going to select elders, and they very kindly put in an 85, five eighty86 year old man that that barely had a pulse and well, he'd been a Christian, he had children he was still alive. let's make him an elder and they didn't look at all at the rest of the qualifications, and his capability of leadership. Yeah. That is so critical as you begin to select your leaders. Are they truly leaders?
0: Right. And it, it gets back to the idea. I was just trying to say that there's a role and responsibility that comes to this, not just a checklist of
1: He uh, says it's a work. Yeah. And he says in first verse, this is a work. And right. he also talks about desire and aspiring there. You. He, You've got to be committed to wanting to do this, and not yesterday if you're going to be appointed today. This is something you've been doing for a long time, preparing yourself to be an elder. And that, that takes time. It takes effort.
0: All right, Let's look at the qualifications then. Uh, your qualifications, in my opinion, can all fit in one of three categories. All these qualifications, whether it's the list here in First Timothy 3 or Titus 1, fit in one of three uh, categories. Number one how he relates to his family. And and that's in in 1 Timothy uh, 3, as well as in Titus 1. How does he relate to his family, his family roles, his role as a husband, his role as a father? You see those qualifications. Uh, The second qualification list is what he does, who he is. You might say positive characteristics. He is self-controlled, all right? Uh, He is able to teach, and he is a teacher, all right? And your third item that you see in the list is kind of the things, this is what he's not, all right? This is what sets him apart from the world and what he doesn't do. Uh, He is not, he is not given to wine. He is not, all right? He is not a lover of money. He is not a man of greed. And so I I, I think in in every single one of us in our church church walk with the Lord, don't just get all excited about what you don't do. What are you doing? Does that make sense? Same thing goes with the church. What's a sound church? Well, what does it not do? Well, okay. It may have a few things, it Well, what does it do? All right. And then you can look at the work experience in his family. Does that make sense? That's like his experience that he would put on there. So uh, looking at the list, any of these you want to discuss?
1: <laughs> um, it's, it's always interesting to me that uh, it, it talks about being the husband of one wife and the next word is being sober-minded. He put those two together and sometimes it's very wise for you and me to be sober-minded. But, it's wise for me to be quiet right now. <laughs> I don't know where you're headed with this. <laughs> but but I, <laughs> what I'm saying about these, these responsibilities, these are truly responsibilities that, that an elder has. And the one thing I would point out, we sometimes say, well, he made it in. Now he doesn't have to fulfill all these. He doesn't have to be so temperate. He doesn't have to be so. No, you continue to be these things. These get you in as qualified, but it's something that continues. You get then into, well, the husband of one wife. Is that if she dies? Are you still then the husband of one wife? well you don't have any wife so does that disqualify you there people get into those kind of situations and begin to argue those things our brethren are very good at arguing and it's it's amazing to me that that we make this so difficult what we're seeing here uh, in this passage but we do have to continue these qualifications for the yeah. most part you you can't change your attitude you can't change the person you are. You can't suddenly, uh, having been humbled and now you're, you're a warrior uh, and you're pugnacious and you're doing all those things, what's happened to you? Well, you're not qualified. You shouldn't be that way if you're an elder. So that's something that needs to continue going on.
0: Uh, one note that I put here too was his character, his spirituality, and his ability to lead. That's the focus. And we need to be careful of always running to this list and looking as it as always trying to almost nitpick to unqualify somebody uh, when that's not exactly his point. Uh, But these are the kind of men you should look for. Uh, I would say this, though, looking at the list, just going through a few of the qualifications here. You see some things that are very conducive to strengthening others. And if there's a role that you play as a shepherd, that's your role, strengthening others. You are hospitable. That, that means somebody who's able to take others in, able to mingle. Uh, it doesn't always necessarily have to mean you just take people into your home. You could be taking people out, but you are hospitable and one who can work well with others. People are easily drawn to you or you are accessible to others in that regard in your hospitality. You're able to teach. You can teach the will of God, teach the love of God. You can teach uh, a father how to be a father and a mother uh, how to be a mother. You see that in there. You'll notice when you get down even to the deacon, it's let the deacon be mindful of holding fast the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. In other words, this is somebody who knows the faith and lives it and, and doesn't have to live with guilt. There's somebody that you would want to say, hey, I'd love for my kids to hang around that guy. You know, this is some guy, I want all my kids with him. That, that'd be somebody who can go and teach what I'm not able to do. because they tune me out when they hit the teen years? I want them around this guy. This is somebody who lives, you know. And, and so you see that teaching role there. And then the idea of being blameless. Uh now doesn't mean he's perfect. That, that's not the point. I think we all understand that. But, but he's somebody that you can't point a finger at from the standpoint that this is somebody who willfully does something that is contrary to God's will or is willfully filled with pride even when they're teetering on the line and not recognizing, hey, that's not setting a good example. You know, uh, it would be somebody that you would feel comfortable saying, I want my children in that regard. And and my point is, you're looking at somebody who's able to teach, and not just those on the inside, but notice what it said about his reputation. He must have a reputation among those who are outside, even those outside the family of Christ. Why? Because we want to teach them the gospel. We we, we want to lead them to the Lord. Uh, While we may not technically be the specific overseer of their soul i'm searching their soul you
1: know but well, from the outside as well it, you don't want to in the case of the deacon, you don't want a double tongued person, even in the eldership you don't want somebody that looks this way to you most of the time behaves entirely differently as far as is on the outside you don't want that kind of an individual, and so you've got yes, this guy's a great guy, he behaves around us like. He behaves around you. That's having a good report from those on the outside. So you're not a different person.
0: Now, the qualifications, though, aren't just about him. Uh, if you look at, and it's under the idea of qualifications of deacons, uh, I, I don't think it would be right to say, well, this is the qualification for deacons' wives and elders' wife can do whatever she wants. No, I don't think that's the point at all. Anybody in a leadership role, he needs to have somebody at his side, his helpmate, who complements his work. And where does it begin with her? That's somebody you can trust to share things with. She's not a slanderer. She's not a talker. Uh, she's somebody who, who exercises self-control in her life as well, that she's dignified. Uh, she also is sober-minded. And then, boy, you talk about the big category of categories. She's faithful in all things. We'll just go ahead and serve. she's got to do it all. <laughs> you know, and, and unfortunately, that's sometimes how our wives feel, they have to at all yes. but that's not saying she has to do it all as much as it is you see in her character the godliness you see and I think these men all things
1: so you don't think this is a deaconess then
0: I don't think it's a deaconess either. it
1: says his wife
0: so you're going no no here on me?
1: this is the what what translation is this if you go back and look at that it's women uh that's the translation and we have put it into being wise and I believe that it is wise by the way but if you look at a lot of commentaries, they'll say, "Well, maybe in New Testament times there were, were deaconesses." And then you have Phoebe in Romans uh, 16 as being a minister or a deaconess. Now I'm just saying that because people will say that, that there were deaconesses, and then I would say to you, well, let's go and look at the role of women in the church, and what does it begin to say about women? Don't take a positions of authority. You can't be in those kind of positions. So I don't think Paul would be saying on one hand uh, that they can be deaconesses, leaders of the church, uh, in that kind of respect, and then on the other hand saying you can't be leaders. Yeah. So I just think we just need to be consistent. But there are some people that, that would take the position. I, I don't think many anymore, but there are some who would have said that that was a deaconess uh, as far as what Paul was saying. There. I don't think that that's what he's saying. But that's it says women there. I, I think your translation has gone on to say, the uh, the deacons' wives. Well, I don't think it's only deacon's wife. I think any wife whose whose husband is in a leadership role, she's got to be this kind of a person.
0: Yeah. I tell you, for somebody trying to run away from controversy, enough time. You brought all three of them no, up tonight.
1: I just, we you, when we are discussing Bible with people, <laughs> we need to be prepared to be able to discuss those things with people. Right. Right. That's all.
0: Right. But when you look at this, he speaks to the man. He speaks to the man. And and that's where he begins. Therefore an overseer must be the husband of one wife. And that's he what says he says to the
1: context. deacon as well, the husband of and one then, wife.
0: If we remember what we just talked about last week with respect to the wife is submissive in that yes. role in the assembly. That's all. And that's your context. But here.
1: there yeah. are I've I probably read f five or six commentaries. Again, on this, and probably three of them talked about, well, maybe it was, and I just say to myself, wow, you're just not thinking about what Scripture says about women and their role. And so, just to be mindful.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, And then, if you go to verses 14 to the end, uh, verses 14 and 15 are kind of like the theme verse for the whole letter. Uh, Paul is saying, I want to come to you, I want to get there. I'm not, you know, I'm over in Galatia, you're here. But if I do get delayed, this letter will be for you and all those who are there uh, as a reminder of how everyone should conduct themselves in the household of God, because the church is indeed the pillar. It is the household. It's the buttress of truth. And it's all founded on Jesus Christ, our Lord, uh, who was manifested in the flesh, but vindicated by the spirit and
1: seen by the angels. I think it's a very important passage There It talks about the church. We've got brethren who will say, I'm just going to listen to what Christ said in the Gospels.
0: I'm just going to live by the first, four books, listen, by the first
1: four books and I will be fine. Yeah. And the church is not that important. I think you better be reading these passages here when it says it's the pillar and the ground of truth. And I'm telling you how to behave in the church. I am a, an apostle who is telling you this and I am every bit as important because God and Christ have given me, that delegated me this, and I'm teaching you truth. And the church is important. And we cannot deny that and just seem like we can just be, eh, you know, so-so with the church. I'll just live the way Christ wants me to live in the Gospels. No, we cannot have that kind of an attitude.
0: You see the value and the importance the, of the church in yes. every aspect of a Christian's life—not just salvation, but with the family, and then with the unity among the brethren, and then the spread of the gospel.
1: That's what he's and calling them here: family, family, family. Yeah. You're the household of God. We are family, and that's extremely important.
0: Yeah. All right. You got anything else you want to add to this?
1: No, well, we're going to give people five minutes to ask. Well, this they got any people. hard
0: questions? They're they're, going, they're addressing you. Uh, all right. So. Yes, sir, Charlie. So.
2: An elder is one who has met these qualifications. That doesn't mean that he's, he's in now. He doesn't have to continue to do that, obviously. But the very qualifications that a man must have to become an elder commands, not demands, but commands respect of those who they are leading. And oftentimes, we find that people want to question, and that's okay, but question the elders by going to them and saying, hey, what's going um, It's very important that we remember that these are people who are responsible for our service. And there's a great condemnation for those who don't fill that role of responsibility. So, second thing, any <clears throat> church, local congregation, some congregation somewhere else, that does not and does not pursue having elders is doomed to be I've seen it too much over the years where a business meeting I quite frankly 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, uh, we didn't have elders and we uh, had business meetings and we strapped on our six years and we went into the building and that's the way we conducted the forest business. Any congregation ought to be striving in my way to have elders and I don't mind telling you that it makes it so much easier for me to have elders that I respect. I appreciate
0: those comments. Thank you. You were on the live stream, Charlie, just said, uh, elders simply by their qualifications uh, just should be respected by others uh, in that regard. And if you're going to be a church that is going to rise above mediocrity, you, you need to have an eldership. And isn't it interesting whether it was in Titus, as Paul sent Titus through the island of Crete, and as he's speaking to Timothy here, you get elders. They need to be qualified and appoint elders in every church to rise above that, you know, and for
1: leadership. Well, it's so. interesting when, when Paul formed churches in Acts twelve and thirteen, or Acts thirteen. What did he do in Acts fourteen? He went back through those churches, and what did he do? He appointed elders. Yeah. Now, we have we have a qualification here of not being a new convert, not being newly converted. So I'm suspicioning those elders that he appointed in that period of time, certainly it was the Holy Spirit was helping him appoint those, but probably uh, older Jewish men who, who understood Scripture and had been involved in Scripture right. and then w- would not be novices as far as the Scripture is concerned. Yeah. But that, we can have older people, very dignified people, who, who are come to the Lord. They're not ready to be elders. I mean... You have to live a life of being involved with people as far as understanding what happens as far as leadership is concerned and and taking care of situations. That that just doesn't happen overnight. All
0: right, any others? Yes, sir, Mike. If one takes the position that
2: if an elder's wife passes away, he is no longer qualified to be an elder, then I think in order to be consistent in that reason, you would also have to say, that if one's believing children were to pass away he is no longer qualified and i don't know that that's what paul really means here i think what he's saying is the elder should have the experience of having been married having children raising children converting those children and what happens whenever those things are out of his control that's out of his control if he if she dies or if his children die i don't know that, that necessarily disqualifies him from that role that's just yeah, that's a great. I've never heard it explained like that. That's a great
0: point. I never thought about it with the child. They go, um, Mike said, if a elder loses his wife, you know, we immediately think, well, he's unqualified. Well, what if he, his children passed away? Well, then, if you're following the same train of thought, then he would be unqualified from that.